Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. In my own personal walk with the Lord, I'm realizing, I'm learning that I will be wounded by the truth to the degree in which I love myself. If I've died to myself, the wounding doesn't wound nearly as much, sometimes not at all. You'll forgive the morbid nature in which I say this, but dead men don't get hurt. If I die to myself, I'm dead to self. You can't wound self because self is already dead. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We get in the way of ourselves all the time. In his message, Pastor J.D. explores various obstacles to godliness, one of those being our love of self. When we love ourselves to a high degree, we are easily offended and hurt. However, dying to self allows us to love others as God wants us to, and allows others to lovingly help us grow in our walk with Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with part one of his message, Obstacles to Godliness. Let's get into the Word of God. Our text will be chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. We'll actually finish the chapter today, Lord willing. I'll begin reading in verse 11, where the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit, writing to the Corinthian church, says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Do not be yoked verse 14, together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there, verse 16, between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And, verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. So the title I've chosen for today's teaching is Obstacles to Godliness. Here in the remainder of the chapter, the Apostle Paul, true to form, is speaking very openly and very candidly and even very truthfully, especially very truthfully, to these carnal Corinthian Christians. And indeed they were carnal as Christians. They were still Christians. They were just carnal Christians. And what he does here is he puts his finger on the very specific issues 
that had become obstacles for them, obstacles that really hindered them from living a godly life. The common denominator in these obstacles that we're going to see is, in a word, self. Self. You've heard it said, perhaps you yourself have said, I am my own worst enemy. I would venture to say that no truer words were spoken. I'm always reminded of this every time I look at my mug in the mirror. I know I am looking at the enemy. Enemy number one. I love how one pastor said, every morning when he gets up, looks at himself in the mirror, he points and he says, No! He says no to himself. He dies to himself. He knows that self is the enemy. And self truly is. And this is what the Apostle Paul is going to address and confront them with, namely self. The first obstacle is in verses 11 through 13, and it's that of loving self too much. Loving self in and of itself is too much, but loving self too much is what Paul is going to talk to them about. In verse 11, it's almost as if he's crying out to them, sort of pleading with them. You can sort of hear it when he says, Oh, Corinthians, oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. We have opened up our hearts to you wide. And in verse 12, he goes on to say that they, in response, have not withheld their affection from the Corinthian Christians. Rather, it was the Corinthian Christians who had withheld their affection from the Apostle Paul. Now the question is why, and he's going to answer it. In verse 13, he pleads with them as his children, and indeed he was a spiritual father of sorts. He had fathered many of them in the faith. He had spent well nigh a year and a half planting this church there in Corinth. He, I believe, led many of them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He discipled them. He ministered to them. He pastored them. And he even mentored them. And I believe that Paul had a great love for this church particularly. And it wasn't reciprocated. And that's what he's saying to them. He's saying, listen, open your hearts wide to us as we have opened up our hearts to you. And this is what his plea is. Now, why was it that this Corinthian church had deliberately withheld their affection from the Apostle Paul? Why is it that they did not reciprocate this love for Paul that Paul had for them. Well, I'm of the belief that it was because they had sadly adopted a victim mentality. A victim mentality. They were acting like they were the victims who were hurt by Paul himself. And the reason is, is that Paul had been rightly very blunt with them very firm with them. 
And he was often rebuking them concerning their carnality, so much so that it seems that they were greatly offended. And this is why Paul pleads with them not to withhold their affection, which they were doing under the banner of holding a grudge. I would venture to say that there were those there in Corinth who actually resented the Apostle Paul for being so blunt, for being so firm, falsely accusing him of being unnecessarily harsh in his treatment of them and his rebuke to them. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the main reasons for unresolved conflict in a church, conflict in a church period, but unresolved conflict amongst Christians in a church, this would have to be at the top of the list. Many a Christian have been unnecessarily offended, and I say unnecessarily, as I hope you'll understand here shortly, but many a Christian has been unnecessarily offended by someone who actually loved them enough to say something. Love them enough to speak the truth to them. When we're told to speak the truth in love, it's not that we just speak the truth in a loving way, but we speak the truth because we love. We speak the truth in love, but moreover, we speak the truth because we love. And it's ironic. It's really ironic because they're actually accusing the Apostle Paul for being unloving in his speaking of the truth to them in his love for them. And that to me is an irony of ironies. And sadly, again, many a Christian on the receiving end of the truth in love because of love will usually accuse the one who spoke that truth as being unloving. The Apostle Paul exhorts the Christians in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. And he exhorts them to speak the truth in love so that they may grow up, mature in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And this is an interesting analogy that he uses when he talks about the body of Christ. We're all different parts of the same body according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Interesting. See, I know that my face loves my thumb. I'll explain what I mean by that. If I hurt my thumb, my face is right there. Oh, it's okay. Starts loving on it, kissing on it. And that's what Paul is talking about here is that we're all different parts of In fact, that's a sign of a healthy body, is it not? Conversely, you know what the sign of an unhealthy body is? 
It's when cells attack other cells in the body. They call it cancer. That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy and can be terminal. And that's what Paul is saying is, if I love you enough, I care for you enough to say something. I tell my teenage boys all the time, I love you so much that I have to do this. To which they respond, then don't love me so much. The writer of Hebrews says that God chastises those whom He loves. Oh, how I wish there was another way for God to demonstrate His love for me other than chastising me. But think about that, right? As a parent, I mean, can you imagine you're in a restaurant and the table next to you, the kids are throwing food at each other and the parents are doing absolutely nothing about it? What would happen if you got up from your table and walked over to their kids and gave them the spanking they deserve? (laughs) That would be a problem. Why? Because they're not your kids. It's the parent who does it. And that's, see, if somebody got up from the table and there were other adults at the table, I promise you I would know which one was the parent because it would be the one that spanked the kid. Or at least you hope they would spank the kid. (laughs) Why? Because they love the kid. They love them enough to speak the truth in love because of love. I like how one commentator illustrated it. He says, we are drawn to a crackling fire in a fireplace on a cold winter night because it provides both light and warmth. And such is the perfect combination of truth and love. Truth without love is like the light of a fire without warmth. Love without truth is like the heat of a fire without light. Truth without love makes people cold in the light. Love without truth makes people stumble in the dark. Thus, we need both. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In other words, I know you're my friend and I know you love me, if you're willing to wound me and jeopardize my relationship with you. And is that not what self-love is? What comes packaged with self-love is self-preservation. And why is it that we don't want to tell people the truth, that which they need to hear, not that which they want to hear, but we don't want to tell them what they need to hear because we're afraid that they'll unfriend us on Facebook and unfollow us on Twitter and unsubscribe to us on YouTube. We're afraid that they're not going to like us. And that's self-love. That's a love of self that says, I love myself more than I love you. And is that not the antithesis of the great commandment? Love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, all of your being, and love your neighbor as you already love yourself. I always get a kick out of people that try to wiggle out of that. Well, I don't love my neighbor because I really don't love myself. (laughs) Really? Are you kidding me? You love you. 
But that's not the problem. (laughs) The reason why you're unable to love your neighbor as yourself is because you love yourself too much, so much so you can't love your neighbor. That's self-love. Now here comes an Apostle Paul in your life, in my life, and they speak the truth. They dare to speak the truth because they love you. See, I know my wife loves me because she'll tell me the truth. (laughs) She'll look at me and say something like, when are you going to start exercising? (laughs) I know, I know. We had a brother in the fellowship that uh, made me some delicious, I think it was prime rib. And my wife had somebody else take it, so I wouldn't... prime rib, man. Are you kidding me? But, but here's the thing. Think about it the opposite side of the table. What, what if my wife said to every single one of you, hey, I want you to uh, make bacon, greasy, artery-hardening bacon for my husband every day, and I want you to give him all of this unhealthy food, lots of sugar. Does that mean she loves me? No, I think she's trying to get rid of me. It's kind of like, you know, how much was that life insurance policy you had, honey? (laughs) That means she loves me. And faithful are the wounds of a friend. They can be trusted. That's a true friend, by the way. And incidentally, if you don't have anybody in your life, then you need to ask the Lord. This might, this is one of those dangerous prayers that requires a bit of a disclosure, but you might want to ask the Lord, Lord, send me an Apostle Paul in my life. Somebody who loves me that much to speak the truth to me. I need it. I don't like it. I don't want it. But listen, I would venture to say we have too many of the other kinds of so-called friends that will only tell me what I want to hear. And that's deceitful. I'm learning that initially the wounds of a friend are faithful. I might initially resent it in my self-love. What's wounded? My pride. Think about that. Pride? Really? What you've wounded is my pride. You've wounded my overestimation of my own self-importance. How dare you say that to me? Do you know who I am? My wife shared a story one time about a flight attendant in first class, and she was, you know, serving one of the passengers, and he looked up at her and he said, Don't you know who I am? To which she responded, You know, I don't. And then she flipped back the curtains and said to the entire airplane, Does anybody know who this guy is? (laughs) That's... That's wounding somebody's pride, isn't it? (laughs) That's self-love, isn't it? You're my enemy if you're only going to tell me what I want to hear. You're going to give me a kiss and a hug. You're going to flatter me. And only tell me what I want to hear because you want to preserve yourself and our relationship. Because you want me to like you. How would it be if you went into a doctor and a doctor did this? He discovers in that biopsy that you have cancer, but he doesn't want you, he doesn't want to tell you that because he wants you to like him and 
He doesn't want to be the bearer of bad news. What kind of a doctor is that? It's a doctor who shouldn't be practicing. That's what kind of a doctor that is. Well, how much more on the things that matter for eternity? How much more important, how much more serious is it when it comes to the matters of eternity? In my own personal walk with the Lord, I'm realizing, I'm learning that I will be wounded by the truth to the degree in which I love myself. If I've died to myself, the wounding doesn't wound nearly as much. Sometimes not at all. You'll forgive the morbid nature in which I say this, but dead men don't get hurt. If I die to myself, I'm dead to self. You can't wound self because self is already dead. I've already died to self. Self is easily offended and wounded when I hear the truth about myself proportionate to my love of self. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that absent dying to self and dying to love of self, reconciliation with others is not likely to happen. Absent that death to self. And I like how one commentator summed it up. He said the Corinthian Christians played the victim before Paul. Out of a godly necessity, he was firm with them on previous occasions. Now they probably claim to be restricted by the hurt Paul caused them. They probably said something like, we would love to reconcile with you, Paul, but the pain you caused us restricts us. We just can't get over it. But the real problem was that the Corinthian Christians were restricted by their own affections. It wasn't that Paul did not love them enough, which was their claim as victims. Paul was unloving. It was that they loved too much. Their own affections restricted them. What did they love too much? First, they loved the world too much. And Paul will deal with that love in the following verses, as we'll soon see. But they also loved themselves too much and refused to really deal with their selfish and worldly attitudes towards Paul. By the way, everything here, just superimpose it onto the template of your marriage relationship. And you'll change your marriage forever. It'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. Self-love is the enemy of marriage. Self-love leads to divorce. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you can take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website. And with more information, here's Pastor J.D. 
Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians.